What's up, y'all? You're listening to the Extra Point College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Carnes, joined as always by my co-host, Daniel Hammock. Daniel, we have made it to our last conference slash division preview. We're hitting the SEC West, the best division in college football, so got to save the best for last. You know, you and I were actually commenting on the win totals uh, for this division. Everyone's projected to go to a bowl game in the SEC West, so no win total lower than six in this division. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, you think about these teams maybe cannibalizing themselves a touch. Um, It also, I mean – there's a certain validity to them going out of conference and beating everybody or maybe even beating their Eastern counterparts so that they can all accumulate enough wins uh, to do that. But yeah, it's definitely something that if you're looking at the SEC and you see that they've sent, you know, 12 teams and seven of them are from one division, that's pretty impressive to the bowl games. I was looking. So actually last year, uh, every team did go to a bowl game last year. So all 14 or excuse me, all seven of the West. Oh, you're talking about the West. Last year. Yeah. Uh-huh. So pretty impressive. Daniel, let's we not start waste talking any- about these teams. It makes sense. Oh yeah. Especially this year. So let's not waste any time. Let's dive right in. Start with the top win total wise, Alabama coming off of a national championship lost to Georgia, but I mean, heck of a season last season, 13 and two. Return a lot this year, uh, especially on defense. Their win total set at 11. So Vegas with that whole number 11, weak, cowards. Cowards. So over or under, maybe a push here. Uh, Daniel, where are you going with the Tide? Yeah, reigning SEC champs. Um, They are projected to win the SEC this year. Um, Yeah, so obviously Bryce Young is going to command a lot of the talk. Um, He's He's phenomenal. But he's one of the few things that I'm like, it's just a check mark for him. Like, he's Heisman winner, everything of the sort. Um, I am interested to see if, if uh, Jalen Milrow plays any this year as a backup because he's a, like a, a great running quarterback. Um, but obviously the best thing to do is to have, have Bryce on the field. That being said, this team, when I think about it, I think they have two – the number one and number two best players in the country when you talk about Will Anderson on defense and Bryce Young on offense and that coupled with the greatest college football coach in the history of college football uh, should just be like an easy check mark like okay this is a national champion Um, but I will say I do have concerns they are concerns with Alabama for the Alabama standard, not just, not just like a regular concern. They, they, my concerns would be at receiver. Uh, They're bringing in Jermaine Burton from Georgia transfer. Um, I do think that's a plug and play. And I think that he's going to be very good for them. Um, I'm curious what kind of production they're going to get of him. And if he is going to be their best player at that receiver position, or if one of these talented players has been recruited the past couple of years, takes a big step forward, um, like a Jojo Earl, like a Ja'Cory Brooks, like is one of those guys going to stand out and start to really, um, really assert themselves as the alpha at that position because they've had an alpha each of the past several years, um, dating back to maybe what, I mean, they've always had somebody like Amari Cooper way back in the day, Julio Jones. So since Saban's been there, they've always had an alpha. So that's kind of what I'm looking for. Are they going to have that dude? I don't know if they have that on this team. Offensive line, 
was already kind of spotty last year. And then you add to it losing a top five pick, a top six pick um, in the NFL draft. Um, I'm curious what that's going to leave them this year. They've recruited phenomenally. Um, I am just curious, you know, JC Latham looks like he's probably going to step into a spot. Uh, TJ Ferguson, uh, just some, some great, great players that have been recruited. Um, I just got to see if they're going to maybe gel on that offensive line. Um, Tyler Steen transfers in uh, from Vanderbilt and it looks like he's going to step in and be the left tackle, which I don't know if it's an indictment on what was already there or if he just is much better than we expect. He is a senior. He's played SEC ball, a bunch of starts. So that's something to look at. Um, they got the Brockermeyer brothers. Um, um, and so I, I think that that's going to be, um, you know, it'll get sorted out. We've just got to see if they've got players ready. So uh, defensively, though, I have a lot less questions. Will Anderson, Dallas Turner, DJ Dale, Harry Toto, Jordan Battle. I mean, these are all SEC guys. Kool-Aid McKinstry, I think, is a, you know, the fact that he had to play so much as a freshman as a defensive back is huge for his development because I think this year you're going to see him take another step where he wasn't really supposed to be counted on as much as he was last year. You could see him being all SEC player by the end of the year. Um, so all of that being said, you know, I guess I didn't even mention Jameer Gibbs transfer at, at running back. I'm very high on Gibbs, very, very, very high on Gibbs. Dangerous. Um, he was averaging over seven yards a touch at Georgia Tech. There are several games where it he, he couldn't be stopped, and yet Jeff Collins refused to give him the ball. And he was the best easy. player in that roster by easy. a lot. Easy. He's a kick returner. I don't know if they're going to use him in that role since he'll be the lead running back, but they should because he could break it for a touchdown. Um, he's going to be a plug-and-play. He's going to make that offensive line look good, whoever's, whoever's blocking for him. If we look at the so – if we look at – the the schedule texas a&m to me would be one of the toughest teams on their schedule but the saban rule of they lost to them last year so they are not going to lose to them this year <laughs> um it's also in tuscaloosa at bryant denny so i just think that that's there's no way that they lose to texas a&m um i just it's tough for me to pick a loss on alabama's schedule they do play Utah State and Texas out of conference and ULM. It's at Texas for what that's worth. It's the big noon kickoff, but Texas is just not ready to deal with what Alabama is going to be bringing out there. I think Texas could shock people and keep it relatively close for a little bit, maybe even score in Alabama early. That being what said, it's worth, the point spread is at 16 right now. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I just don't think – I don't think they have the horses yet to do anything. Um, at LSU would be something I would normally circle, but this LSU team, while I'm high on them and we'll get to them in a few minutes, they are not in this kind of category where they are a potential upset uh, of Alabama, you know, or anything like that. I guess I would, I would look at Ole Miss, but I'm going to go – for the safest thing to me – is to go over, even though history has predicted that Saban will lose a regular season game somewhere. I would rather, instead of pushing and saying 11 and being a coward, I go over 12. 12 and 0, Alabama. I will call your 12 and 0. 
yeah, I cautiously. So I think the West is full of good teams, which we'll, which we'll talk about. So I think there could definitely be a loss on the schedule. I'm just having a hard time sitting here and being like this team. Like rationalizing it. Yeah. And so I, I will go 12 and 0 cautiously. Um, I, again, I will be critical for Alabama standards. Uh, you mentioned it. Only three of their top 10 receiving targets from last year return. So that is a concern for me. So I think has Alabama earned the right to be like a wide receiver you to this point? Maybe, but even like you, you got to think even last year, like they brought in Jamison Williams, proven transfer. And then John Mechie was still like that third guy the previous year. Right. And like, so it's been a few, it's been, it's been several years uh, since Bama didn't have just like, like you mentioned it, like an alpha at receiver. And last year they had two this year. Here's the thing. I think Jermaine Burton could be that guy, but why was he that guy at Georgia? Like if, if he is that guy. So yeah. I think he could be, I think it is a plug and play. He's got that top end speed. Um, doesn't have a ton of height, but the top end speed and great hands, great route running. So he could be that guy. Jojo Earl is the guy I circle though. And I think he could be the alpha sophomore this year. Uh, I think, you know, four or five stars. So I think he's the guy that could be that alpha, the offensive line. You mentioned it. Uh, we took, we kind of talked about it last week. The opposite way with Georgia though, is that man, everyone was in the transfer portal looking for a tackle including Alabama. And now he's probably going to start. And so I don't know what that says about the Alabama tackle position. Obviously they've recruited, re- recruited very well at the position. So I don't have any concerns about the offensive line, especially when I look at the schedule. I think the two best defensive lines they're going to face are going to be LSU and Auburn. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you get those in week, what is it, week 10 and week 13, week nine, week 13. So by that time, your offensive line hopefully is put together and and ready. And also, I don't, you know, we'll talk about those teams later, but that, that's not the biggest problem you're going to face in those games. Uh, a lot of other matchup nightmares. This defense is going to be stupid, uh, like stupid good. Well, Anderson, you mentioned it, I think he's the best player in the country. Um, his contract year, the fact that him and Dallas Turner and DJ Dell Jr. are on the same defensive line is it's- unfair those are three, could be three first round picks over the course of their careers. Like, cause you know, Turner's not gonna be eligible. And here's the thing. I know you got Jordan battle, right? You mentioned Cooley McKinstry. He had a play last year. He wasn't amazing last year. Very, very highly rated recruit. Um, you bring in Eli Ricks, again, unproven commodity was a five-star, but I think if the secondary is going to be a weakness, this could almost be like Georgia last year in that, man, this front seven can cover it up really easy because they can send four, and you're still only going to have two seconds to get the ball out. I just don't see an offensive line until you get to the SEC championship that's going to match this defensive front. That's why I am, again, if you're looking at 11 as the win total, I am more confident in the over than the under when usually I would be principal, but 11 makes it tough. 11 and a half would be a lot easier to say under out of principal, but at 11, man, I just don't see a team on the schedule that has the offensive line that's going to be able to hold up all game against Alabama's defense. Yeah. Th- their closest projected point spread right now is going to be at Tennessee, just shy of double digits there. Oh, wow. So, I mean, you got to think that game's in Knoxville. 
depending on what you think of Tennessee, Tennessee could go into that game undefeated. So, and look, Alabama gets everyone's best shot. Of course. So you have to factor that in. Everyone's going to give their A-plus Super Bowl game. What if Alabama has an off day? So, all that being said, I'm picking 12-0. I think this team's back in Atlanta to face Georgia. So, it should be another classic game in Atlanta in the first weekend of December. So, hopefully, looking forward to that uh, that happening. All right, Daniel, let's go to our next highest win total, the Texas Aggies. So, Texas A&M, uh, Jimbo Fisher entering his fifth year here at Texas A&M. Their win total set at eight and a half, coming off an eight and four season. Daniel, when, if ever, is it going to click for Texas A&M? Is it in 2022? You know, I by click, if you mean go, you know, be in the top five nationally and go to the Orange Bowl again, um, you know, <laughs> like they did a few years ago. That's where I see them this year. I see them riding in that lane, drafting right behind Alabama, you know, losing to Alabama, but really just like hanging with them and just really cruising to a big time New Year's Six Bowl. Um, I, I believe in what they're doing. They're building it the right way with, you know, recruiting. And I mean, this year was just phenomenal and just kind of dumb with how great they recruited. Um, offensively, they returned four starters, but, you know, there's, there are really some guys who are going to step into some starting roles. Um, offensive line, I mean, they got three returning starters, but they've got some guys that were former highly rated four stars, Akinola, Gunby, guys like that, that I think are going to be vital to this offensive line going forward. Um, quarterback is going to be a big question for me um Haynes King versus Max Johnson I'm a big Max Johnson guy I think that he comes in and he provides a little bit of that run ability but he's very accurate with the ball um he is lefty so that if that throws off your offensive playbook you know so be it but I I'm just curious we've got to see some more downfield explosiveness we got to see some explosive plays in in Jimbo's offense for me to really believe um big time in them but um, Devon A. Chain, uh, I think is going to be interesting. He was uh, averaging at one point last year, it was over nine yards per touch. Um, that's how explosive he can be. Um, and then obviously he had that, I think it was a kick return for a touchdown against Alabama last year. So definitely a big, big time player. Um, I was about to raise a question to you when you said the two best defensive lines were LSU and Auburn that Alabama was going to face. It's like, Dude, Texas A&M's got a really good defensive line as well. So they do, but they're young. They're that's young. the they're young. That's fair. They all are talented though. So you know, McKinley Jackson obviously is a former highly rated four star. If he would have popped a year earlier in high school, he would have definitely been a five star. I think Shamar Turner, former five star. They've just got some dudes on the defensive line. Um, so I'm interested to see kind of how that plays out. It, it still seems like. Like, they got all the right parts, but they don't really have them in the right place just yet. So they're going to take another year to smooth things over. Like, they should be good, like, just rolling the helmets out to beat most of the teams on their schedule um, just with the talent that they have. Um, But for this thing to look like a smooth, you know, and for them to beat Alabama in a consecutive year, which, again, I don't believe that's going to happen this year, for them to just beat all the teams that they're supposed to and not be eight and four. 
I don't think that that's going to be the case. I do think they're going to be better than eight and four. So let me say, I go through their schedule. I think that scheduling Miami, I have questions why they did that, but they did it. It's at least in Kyle Field. Um, and then, you know, they, they have all these games away from Kyle Field where they play Arkansas, which is a neutral site game. Then they're at Mississippi State, at Alabama, and out South Carolina, all back-to-back. In that stretch, I think they lose two games. So I think Alabama is probably one, and they lose one other game in that stretch. Um, and then I have them losing to LSU. So I have them nine and three. Wait, 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 wait. Actually, hold on. LSU. No, 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 no. I have LSU losing that game. Sorry, I'm really high on LSU, so I've run everything through the LSU filter. <laughs> I do have them nine and three, but I have them losing a different game. Hang on. Nine no, no, three? no. Ten and two. Ten and two. Ten and two. Ten and two, Texas A&M. Sorry. But no, I just backspaced and typed like three six times. times. I'm really sorry. That's okay. Ten and two. Uh, I think there's a couple of candidates here in in this scenario I'm about to describe. So Bud Elliott has talked about this, and I think it's fascinating. 2013 Florida State. Everybody remember that team? Won the national championship, beat Auburn, went undefeated. Um, Redshirt freshman Jameis Winston. No one knew who he was until he played. Nobody. He threw five touchdowns. That's right. So what that team was is – that 2013 recruiting class was really, really good. 2012 one was good. 2013 was really, really good. And everyone kind of circled 2014 as like, hey, they're going to pop in 14. Like, they're going to contend for a national championship in 14. Then they were just a year ahead of schedule. They were a year ahead of schedule. They went it in 13. They put it all together with a young team, and they won a national championship. Texas A&M is in this category mm-hmm. of 2013 Florida State. I think a lot of people – see this highest rated recruiting class of all time and circle like, Hey, 23, when those guys are sophomores full year in the system, watch out for A&M. I'm saying watch out for A&M this year. Like they are compiling a level of talent that I think that they have risen the floor tremendously of Texas A&M. And here's the thing. If they, their win total is at eight and a half, right? I think if they come out here and go eight and four this year, I do think that's a disappointment. I think you got to win at least nine games this year for Texas A&M. Like I know that they're young and they're that they're freshmen, but this this number one class is the cherry on top. Like Jimbo has done a phenomenal job recruiting in College Station. So, can they put it all together this year? I think they've got a lot of pieces. One, they didn't have quarterback figured out last year. I think they've got quarterback figured out this year because, regardless whether it's Haynes King, Max Johnson, I know Jimbo hates freshmen, but Connor Wegman, like regardless you. One beat out the other, and so that's a win in that whoever wins, you beat out a really good quarterback. And two, you've got, like, really talented depth behind them if someone were to get injured. So uh, that's a key piece. The offensive line should be pretty good. Um, Defensive line, I know I mentioned LSU and Auburn, probably the best two defensive uh, lines in the SEC West. I think A&M could be. It's just unproven. So I can't sit here right now and be like, yes, that is my number one defensive line in the SEC West. Um, They're young. They got some dang good talent. Walter Nolan, probably going to start on defensive line this year. True freshman. uh, Formerly number one player overall. Um, 
at one point. I don't know if he still had it by the end. No, Travis Hunter. They've got him. the number one player somewhere. They right. ended up with like four or five stars on the defensive line, right? That came in this year. Yes. Just yes. specifically on the defensive line. Uh, Evan Evan Stewart is a game changing wide receiver. I think that's a bit like they haven't had a game changing wide receiver so far in Jimbo's tenure in College Station. So. Again, I think this team could put a lot of things together. That being said, this schedule is really freaking hard. So uh, I'm going 10 and 2. So I don't think they put it together yet. But I think 10 and 2 in the SEC West near Six Bowl is still like you could be a top five team in the country and go 10 and 2 with this schedule. So right. I, I think AM is that level of team. I'm going 10 and 2 as well. Uh, so take the over 10 and 2 for the Aggies. All right, Daniel. Next. Hey. New Year's Six Bowl team last year, Ole Miss. So Lane Kiffin in year two takes Ole Miss, wins 10 games, goes to the Sugar Bowl, uh, you know, lost Matt Corral to injury, so didn't get to win that game. But he returns this year with a team, with another – I say another, not another, but with a transfer quarterback who we'll see if he starts, but their win total set at seven and a half. So, Daniel, where are you going with the Rebels? Yeah, I think that's a good number um, based on the questions that are are with this team um, because they lost their top four pass catchers last year. That's a big deal um, because they lost their top five rushers last year because they lost Matt Corral, who is their Mr. Everything, um, you know, quarterback, obviously running the ball as well. And just, I mean, really putting it all on their shoulders, um, you know, Obviously, we always talk about how I love John Reese Plumley. He's at UCF now. So they do have Luke Altmeyer and then the transfer Jackson Dart coming in from USC. Um, I'm interested to see what happens. They've got three returning starters on the offensive line coming back. They really hit the portal hard, bringing in as much as they could. Um, so I'm interested to see kind of that dynamic. Um, but they got two studs at running back in the portal. Um Honestly, when they got Ulysses Bentley, I was like, all right, well, he's you know, Ulysses Bentley the fourth. He's uh, from SMU, and he averaged six yards a carry last year. And I was like, okay, he's a bell cow back. They got a dude. Okay, cool. And then they go out and get Zach Evans from TCU, and I'm like, hold hold the phone. That He was a number one player at one point, number one running back when he came out, and he ended up at TCU because of just some – you know, weird disciplinary stuff going on with his high school team. Um, and so now it's like, this is his contract year. So you get two guys who are juniors coming in just ready to go to the NFL. And I think both of them are NFL backs. Um, so you get two NFL backs backing up whoever is going to be at quarterback. So I'm high on them offensively. I mean, really under, under lane, I, I think that, they're always going to be good offensively. Just how good are they going to be, you know, like last year where they're just spe extra special. Um, I don't know. I think that depends on what development happens in the receiver room. Uh, Jonathan Mingo is back, but there's a lot of questions elsewhere. Um, looking at the defense, I don't really know, you know, taking a step forward. I'm not sure if that's going to be, um, you know, they – they lost their defensive coordinator. Um, and so I, I'm not sure 
if they're going to take a step forward, if it's going to be kind of the same, they weren't really that great last year. Um, adding, you know, a year to it. I think they've got some good players, Otis Reese, you know, they've Katie Hill, they got some guys who can, who can do some things, but we'll see. We'll see. Looking at the schedule, Troy, Central Arkansas, Georgia Tech, Tulsa, I think they start 4-0. Kentucky is a sneaky game. Getting them at home is a big deal. Um, obviously, playing Vanderbilt is fine no matter where you play them. Um, and then getting Auburn at home is a big deal because I think that they're kind of would be – if they play that Jordan-Hare, that would be a game I would circle and say that they could lose. I'm circling the LSU game at LSU and at A&M and that's then a, Bama. That's a tough three-stretch right there. I mean, that's I a, can't – I mean, even if you want to add the next game to it. Gosh, the last six games, Arkansas. you play six straight SEC West games. So, there is set is seven and a half? Seven and a half. Okay, I have them at eight and four this year. So, I do go over slightly. Um, I think that non-con definitely helps them get <laughs> off off to the races. Uh, so, they'll be four and four in the SEC because they'll be four and oh outside of the SEC. You and I are going to disagree at some point, but not yet. I'm also going eight and four. So I do think there's an SEC West team that we're going to talk about that is a top 25, top 20 team nationally that goes seven and five this year. I don't think that's Ole Miss. I think Ole Miss is going to get one more. Uh, I think, again, that this is going to be, I mean, at least a top 20 team, could be a top 15 team again this year. They got to figure out quarterback. Now, the good thing is we know Jackson Dart is talented. I don't think it's a sure thing he's going to start. He absolutely might. But Lane Kiffin is both indicated reports in practice are that like this thing's not a done deal. He did not come in and take the job by the throat. Uh, Luke Altmaier definitely is in this thing and might have even had a slight lead coming out of spring. So this was the number two rated transfer class. Uh, so it's hard to factor in the impact that's going to have. Obviously, the transfer portals had a big impact in college football. You can see what Jameis Williams did last year uh, as just a prime example of like what you can do with a new team. Uh, I'll highlight Jalen Robinson coming over from UCF. I think that's a big addition at wide receiver. Um, I do think this receiving core is talented, especially in this offense, right? This offense is a cheat code. Uh, it, it's one of these Braille style offenses uh, spread you out wide with the, you know, their offensive line, I think, is going to be an improvement over last year. But, man, this defense. Like, my thing is, defensively, could they have a top 40 defense? If so, they could go 9-3. Ooh, yeah. Like, if they could have a top 40 defense. I don't know if they do. I'm going 8-4. and four. Um, I, I do like this team a lot. That The end of the schedule is brutal. Like, this is a team that could start 7-0. And lose four of the last five games. Right. Right. Like going at LSU, at AM, Alabama, at Arkansas, Mississippi State, that that is no joke. That's one of the toughest five game stretches in the country. Um, so I hope they get their wins early and get rolling, carry that momentum because you're gonna need momentum to get through those games. Uh just the body blows in those games. You're gonna be limping to the right. finish line. So uh eight and four though, I will take the over on old miss. Now let's go to Arkansas. So Arkansas, team that won nine games last year. Sam Pittman's second season last year enters his third year. Excuse me, had a big win over Texas in week two. 
big win over Texas A&M week four. Uh, very magical season for Sam Pittman in year two. Where are you going with the Razorbacks? Yeah, it's tough because, you know, a lot of the national media is finally catching on to something that most plugged-in SEC fans recognized almost immediately with Sam Pittman and just, like, how good of a fit that was because this is entering year three and just that first-year turnaround and then last year really being, like, kind of icing on the cake, winning nine games, but being A&M and Texas in the same year is just huge uh, for the program. And, you know, they'd come so close to beating A&M for several years in a row uh, with that one being a rivalry and kind of being the, you know, where they – was that, is that one played in – that's played in Jerry World, right? Yeah, A&M yeah. in Arkansas, yep. So, that was their first time winning it. So, anyways, that's, that's, that's big. Um, I'm big on Sam Pittman, his whole, you know, everything he's got going on. Um, offensive line, I think, is going to be really good, obviously, because, because of Sam Pittman. But four out of five starters are back. K.J. Jefferson back at quarterback. Um, he's top five quarterback in the SEC. Um, yeah, depending upon your list, he's number two or number five or, you know, whatever. But he's – He's big time. I think that he could definitely lead them to some wins. I have a lot of questions losing Traylon Burks from last year. Who's going to be the alpha receiver? Bring in a transfer in Jaden Hazelwood, who former five-star. Looks like he might be that guy. Um, Trey Knox at tight end, the former receiver that they had transitioned down to a tight end. Uh, just put some weight on him. And he's actually been more productive. He was not doing so hot as a receiver. Now that he is a tight end, I do expect big things from him. Um, Malik Hornsby is a backup quarterback who I think you'll see a lot at receiver. Um, Pittman has referenced this a bunch just because of he's one of their best athletes on the team. And it's not just simply one of these things like, oh, he runs fast. So we're going to – no, he's just really good with the ball in his hands. So I look for Kendall Bryles to do some fun things with him. Uh, whether it be double passes or just be a flat-out fluid receiver and get him the ball. Uh, Rocket Sanders is the the running back. Um, they get four of their top five running backs are back from last year. Uh, so that's going to be – or leading rushers, excuse me, four of their top five rushers. Um, this schedule, that is what holds me up from just being like – oh, they won nine games last year, pencil me in for 10. Or, you know, like a lot of the the national media, I feel like, or even the SEC media is ready to just, you know, put Arkansas up there. And while I believe in them, I think that Sam Pittman will still have the state of Arkansas proud of this team. But I do think that they're probably going to lose some games. Start with Cincinnati. I think they're going to handle them. That shouldn't be an issue. I would be surprised if they lost. South Carolina comes in. We think South Carolina's be better, but Arkansas should take care of them. I think they lose to AM this year. I have that down as a loss. Um, it was great that they beat them last year, but they lose back-to-back games for me. AM and Alabama. Um, at BYU is going to be tough. I believe I have Arkansas winning that game when we did BYU. Um, I have Arkansas losing to LSU. And I have them losing four games. I have them eight and four. So um, they're over, but maybe not quite so over. So Arkansas is a team that I think will be 
better than last year, but maybe the same record wise. So almost put eight and four. I'm a little higher in Arkansas. I'm going nine and three with this team. Um, I am buying that the floor has been raised at Arkansas with Sam Pittman. Uh, I do think KJ Jefferson is the second best quarterback in the conference. Um, this this team will be better than last year. The offensive line is going to be a lot better. You've brought in transfers that are plug and play. I think it's not just like you that you bring in transfers, is that you bring in transfers at positions of need or at positions that like everyone wants to have. So Jaden Hazelwood, he's a former five star wide receiver. You, you talk about losing trail on Burks, plug and play with Jaden Hazelwood. We think he has that kind of ceiling at For least, sure. right? Talent wise. Um Drew Sanders. Drew Sanders former five-star linebacker, was at Alabama. He was in the same fe- he's in the same defense as Dallas Turner and Will Anderson. He's not seeing the field at Alabama. Uh, he can go to a place like Arkansas and lead their team in, in tackles, like be top three in the conference in sacks. Like, he's that kind of player. Right. He wasn't going to get playing time at Alabama. This, this is not these, like, you know, wasn't a culture fit. Like cast-offs, yeah. yeah. You're right. This is These are really good players that are just looking for fresh starts and both in contract seasons. I think those could be two major players for them this season. The schedule's tough going. I mean, I don't know who made the schedule. I don't know if it was this current athletic director or not, but scheduling Cincinnati and BYU when you play in the SEC West and honestly, Liberty is just, it's stupid. Like what, with the way the rules currently are there, there is no incentive to scheduling difficult games like schedule four cupcakes outside of your sec west schedule uh, that being said again i think the floor is enraged at arkansas i think you can do a lot with a good quarterback and a hard-nosed defense i have a ton of respect for the fact you, you mentioned it but i think they have one of the best coaching staffs in the country like sam Pittman is a head coach kendall briars kendall Bryles is an oc and oh my gosh i just lost his name um Missouri's old head coach. Gosh, Barry Odom. Thank you. Uh, I was like, (laughs) I was on a roll here. I'm like, I I was like, I'm going to talk about Barry Odom. And then I forgot his name. Um, Kendall Bryles and Barry Odom, one of the best, like one, two punches at coordinators in the country. Oh yeah. And the fact that Sam Pittman has kept them around. uh, Josh Pate, friend of the show, actually interviewed Sam Pittman at SEC media days. And he asked him like, Hey, why are these guys sticking around? And of course, Sam, very uh very humble in his answer but just like hey we try to have good culture you know we pay them as well as we can we they, you know they just like to they like the team they they like our system cuz they they they've both been offered more money this off season to go to other places and they've stuck it around at arkansas so all that being said i love arkansas uh I'll be a little bit biased there i love the culture of this team love the coaching staff Love some of the players in this team. I'm going nine and three. I'm going over. Like this it. is my like risk that I'm taking in the SEC West because the schedule's brutal. Mm. But I'm saying that this is a team that could be a top 15 team nationally um, and go nine and three. This could be a top 10 team nationally and go nine and three. The schedule's brutal, but I like Arkansas to go over. I wonder because you know we talk about the schedule being crazy, um, but they you know the SEC obviously requires you to play one power five non-conference game i'm looking at it and i'm like okay so cincinnati doesn't count as that but they're no picnic liberty 
doesn't count as that. But, you know, it's like BYU, I'm almost like, did they even count? Because they're not technically in a conference. So they're not technically by the letter of the law, Power Five. But um, if they count as Power Five, I would think that it was kind of like a understood, hey, this is okay. They had to get that checked off though, because I'm looking through the schedule and that was something that popped up. They're playing at Provo. That's, you know, that's that thing on the road. Right. Well, because, you know, the rules in there because of the in state out of conference games that, you know, like South Carolina and Clemson, Georgia. Georgia Tech, Florida, Florida State. It's in there because of that. Right. And that's why they have an eight-game schedule rather than a nine-game schedule. So that's always something. I'll have to see if those stay in the, yeah. new, uh, in the new league in here in a couple of years. All right, Daniel, it's time. One total set at seven, the LSU Tigers. And I feel like you've been teasing all offseason. You've been you're pretty confident. So, I, look, I will give you your platform here, Daniel. Uh LSU, one total set at seven. You're one of Brian Kelly. How are you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. All right. This LSU team has been begging for structure for years. They are a talented bunch. And, Jacob, let me just start with this. There's the best three things you can do is have a good quarterback, good receivers who are going to catch the ball and score touchdowns for you. And then a good pass rush that's going to just knock the, knock the other quarterback down so that you can win games. I think this team has all three of those. So that's where I start. I think that they have three quarterbacks that could all start and win games for this team, but I'm a big miles Brennan guy. I think miles Brennan is going to win this job. Um, So that's kind of where I start. He's a six year senior. He's never quite gotten his chance because of injury or he, well, he came in as a true freshman and played and he was not ready. Uh, and then this guy named Joe Burrow came in for two years and had his day in the sun. And then it was supposed to be his time and then he got hurt and then he got hurt again last year. So all that being said, I think this is Miles Brennan's team. I think that he's the leader. I think this is going to be big time for him. I think there's going to be a lot of addition by subtraction with the culture change with Brian Kelly coming in at head coach. You're going to have guys leaving because they're used to these old habits that coach O had, where it was more of a buddy, buddy system. And he's a big time, you know, that's just his personality. You're going to have an exodus. Um, It may have already happened a little bit, but you're going to maybe have a little bit more as the season goes on. But guys that I would be mostly concerned with are my best players. Keishon Butte. The fact that he has been given the number seven, which is a big deal at LSU, that goes to just a, you know a big-time player from the state of Louisiana. He has taken that on, and he's. I, I think that that leadership is going to trickle down to all of the other players on this team. John Emery Jr. at running back, former five-star, former top five running back in the country when he came out a few years back. Uh, I think he was number two um, to be, you know, as accurate as possible. When he came out, he has had, he either, he came in 2019 behind uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who was having a great year. And then it was a COVID year. And then last year he was academically ineligible. He is a senior this year. I expect him to pop off. 
Noah Kane has transferred in as a running back from Penn State. Um, he was also a top five back in that 2019 season. So you've got two guys who can really do it. This is the best wide receiver room in the SEC. Best wide receiver in the SEC. Kayshawn Boutte, I already mentioned him. Jeray Jenkins, um, he had a great year last year. If you watched that LSU A&M game, I mean, Jerry Jenkins caught like 38 balls that game, but um, six touchdowns for him, nine for Keishon Butte. They both didn't play a ton. Jack Besh played tight end last year because they just didn't have numbers. He's six foot two, 210 pounds. They had him playing tight end. He's going to be in the receiver room. Um, and then you add to it, Brian Thomas Jr. They've just got, it's like what we've talked about with a lot of these receiver rooms that we expect really good things from. They have a lot of pieces that do different things. Keishon Butte takes the top off the defense. Jerry Jenkins is their over-the-middle guy. Brian Thomas Jr. is a jump ball machine. Jack Besh can really run down the seam. So you've got guys that can do everything. The offensive line is probably the biggest concern. That being said, they've got 10 players, Jacob, who have started a game in college football. So I don't know. 41 starts is all they've got between them, those 10 players. But they've got guys who've played. And Brad Davis, the offensive line coach, was the only holdover on this staff from Brian Kelly. Reason being, he was interim coach for the bowl game. He is from Baton Rouge, knows the area, knows Louisiana. Brian Kelly's been very specific with hiring guys from Louisiana to help him here. And offensive coordinator um, Mike Denbrock is who he had at Cincinnati when he was there. So I believe in all of these guys um, defensively. I agree with you. I think their defensive line is going to be one of the best in the, in the conference. Uh, BJ Ojolari is back. He was their leading sack guy last year. I think he's due for a big year. Um, Mason Smith was a top five player when he was recruited a couple years ago, played a little bit last year, had four sacks as a backup behind Neil Farrell. Um, Neil Farrell. And now he's going to be the main guy. So I look for him. And then um, Ali Gay, it was surprising that he came back uh, to this team, but they're expecting big things from him. If there's a weakness, it's the secondary. Um, and all those guys are transfers that are probably going to start. Two guys from Arkansas, Greg Brooks and Jay Falsha, um, and then just some other dudes. I expect Major Burns to play well. Anyways, I think organization is enough for this team to simply go 10 and 2 this year. And it's in the SEC Pause West. for dramatic effect. <laughs> it is in the SEC West. This team, what did they go? Six and six last, six and seven last year. They went five and five the year before that. That being said, I'm not expecting them to go blow anybody out this year. I'm not expecting that. I think people hear me say 10 and two, and it is there for dramatic effect. I think they're a 10 win team, but I think they're going to do it a lot of crafty ways. I think they're going to win a lot of these 24, 21 games, you know, 20 to 17. They're not going to have it all figured out, but there's going to be some games where they do it all correctly. And there's going to be some games where they don't, like against Alabama, I think they'll lose. And at the end of the year at Texas A&M, I have them losing those two games, the two best teams on their schedule. The rest of the season, though, I think that they're going to be able to navigate. They start out with Florida State. 
then they play Southern, and then they get Mississippi State at home, then they play New Mexico. I think that's very manageable to start the season. Mississippi State will be tough, but I think that's manageable to start the season. And then you start into SEC play at Auburn, Tennessee. I think they're just better than a lot of these teams. And it, it, it'll show up as the season goes on. And they get confident in Miles Brennan. But a lot of like what you were talking about before with um, Texas A&M, the quarterback situation, whoever wins the job will have won over these other guys. And because of the timing of the season, you're not going to have Jaden Daniels transfer, Garrett Nussmeyer transfer at this point. They're just going to play out the season and then transfer if that's their choice. If there's an injury, which Miles Brennan's been accustomed to, you've got Jaden Daniels, who's got 39 starts at an FBS level. And you've got Garrett Nussmeyer, who I'm really high on at quarterback. So I think that there's depth where they may have not had it before. And they, I, I think you can honestly attribute the organization that Brian Kelly's going to bring, have these guys coached up. It's going to bring them to 10 games this year. So 10 and 2 LSU. Over seven. Yeah, way over seven. Um, 2007. 2007 is an important year. 2007, uh, Nick Saban got hired away from the Dolphins and got hired by Alabama for a $32 million contract. At the time, one of the highest paid coaches in college football. LOL at that now. Um, LSU went 10 and 2 in 2007 as well. But Bama went six and six <laughs> in the regular season. Six and six. Uh, more recently, 2016. 2016, Georgia hired Kirby Smart. All right. Seven and five in year one. Both of those teams in year two won their division. In Bama's case, they went to the SEC championship, lost to eventual national champion in Florida. But I mean, it's history after that, right? Georgia plays for a national championship in year two. Um, what those have in common is I, I think those were phenomenal head coaches that got hired to a program that was just not hitting what they were capable of, good, not great. And in both cases, year one, you, you, there's, there's just growing pains in year one. And then there's momentum through the season. Because what happens is with the growing pains, as long as you're winning, everybody's happy. And I thought, I thought I talked you off the ledge earlier because when you started with this, I was like, oh, okay. I, I, I talked them down some. Uh, when players – you talk about players buying in and sticking around, but what if you start losing? What if you lose a game? How many of those key players just stop trying? Talent's there. So how many of these guys that are maybe not in contract years are going to want to stick around and do it the hard way? Think about Sark last year. You and I were high on the fact that Texas's roster has a floor to it. Well, they went below that floor last year. They went five and seven. What happens if they beat Oklahoma? What happens if they don't blow that lead? Do you think they go five and seven last year? I don't think so. I think they probably go nine and three at least. Like one game can make that big of a difference. I'm looking at the schedule and I'm looking October 1st at Auburn. And I think that game has a significant impact for the rest of the season. And the thing is, it doesn't stop after that. That's the that's the tough part. Is then you get Tennessee, a Tennessee team who's in year two, who obviously we've talked about them. They they got some hype this offseason off of a bye. 
Then you go play in Gainesville. I'm curious what this team looks like after that three-game stretch. Because, hey, if you go win at Auburn and beat Tennessee, I do think the ceiling – I think the ceiling's nine and 9-3 for this team. But I don't think you get through that unscathed. And I think naturally – I think Brian Kelly's the right hire. I think LSU as a program is going to take a step forward and be good for a lot longer and not just a one-year pop with a freak of a quarterback. Um, I think they're set up for long-term success. I think they're going six and six this year. I just look at the schedule. I think there's a lot of really, really good teams in the SEC West that are set up better for 2022 than LSU is. If you listen to Brian Kelly talk, he's talked a lot about culture. He was even asked about the Florida State game week one. And he didn't say, we're going to go win. I hope we win. He said, I hope at the end of the game, people see the different brand of LSU football. So I'm just listening to that and saying, hey, he knows this is not a year one result. He knows this is a year two, three, four, five, six, go in multiple, multiple national championships result, which I think he can do at LSU. I just don't think it happens in 2022. So I'm going six and six with LSU. I'll, I'll put it this way, just just to be – I almost make, want to make a show bet here. Not with money. We could do something stupid. But I think it's more likely that they lose to Florida State than they go 10-2. and two. I think it's more likely they lose week one than them going 10-2. and two. But that's not like a – you know, we could put the difference. They, they could be Florida State and go 6-6. Six six. Like, uh, <laughs> anyway, it. I'm like – This is I, exciting because past, past several years we've – had to agree and come to terms with it's yeah nice we, we debate on the side yeah to be different so because i'm really high on lsu and it's like last year with texas you were higher than me but you talked to me oh into i was it. way higher i was like come on man they're, they're going to the natty let's ride the sark train i was like dude it's your blind spot and it was the same for florida state last year and it was me miami last year anyways we all have our you're blind early. spots you're early lsu i'm sure is a blind spot for me right now <laughs> but Man. Hey, mine's Arkansas probably. I don't know. Yeah, I'm one game higher, but it's happening. Man. Ten and two LSU. It just makes way too much sense. So it rhymes. All right. <laughs> All right. It let's rhymes, go to both verbs. <laughs> right. Uh, let's go to Starkville. So Starkville, Mississippi State. Their one total set at six and a half. They're coming off of a seven and six season. Mike Leach, third year here. Where are you going with the Bulldogs? Yeah. So with. Sorry. Uh, Mississippi State, um, man, I'm high on them. And I, one of the things, uh, one of the people I listen to, Chuck Oliver, here on 680 The Fan in Atlanta, he also has his syndicated Chuck Oliver show, which is college football year-round. He just is a great, great, especially with SEC, because it's really all, all Southern sports. He said it best, Mississippi State, hasn't done anything wrong. In fact, they've gotten a lot right. They can get a lot right and still be the seventh best team in the West and win seven games a year and it'd still be, it'd just be okay. Um, they return eight guys on offense and they return eight on defense. This is going to be a good team. Um, good by standards set by everybody in the conference, but even by just Mississippi State standards. Um, they've got their top five rushers from last year back. That's not really saying a lot because they didn't run the ball a ton. Um, and then they've got four of their top five pass, pass catchers back, um, which 
their leading receiver coming back is their running back, Jaquavius Marks. Um, so I'm expecting big things from him uh, just by what he does often, you know, running the ball and receiving the ball. Will Rogers is back. Um, he's one of the best quarterbacks in this conference. It might be inflated a little bit because of the offense that he plays in. Um, they, I think this team's going to be good. I think that uh, they're, they're going to beat Memphis that first game. I believe they lost it last year and they played at Memphis, um, which is, it's funny that they played a home and home with Memphis, but that's a big recruiting area for Mississippi state um, is the Memphis area. Um, they go to Arizona, which that's difficult. Um, they go to LSU, which I have them losing, of course. And then they come home and play Bowling Green, thank goodness. But um, there's just a bunch of teams on their schedule that are going to beat them, I think. Uh, LSU, A&M, Arkansas, um, at Kentucky's difficult, at Alabama, Auburn. They get Georgia this year. Um, and then they play at Ole Miss. So I have them going 6-6. Six and six. And I think this is a very good team but I have them going six and six. It's based on the schedule. They're in the SEC West and they were unlucky enough to draw Georgia out of the East. Yeah, it's fair. I, so this is my description of this. This will be a top 20 team that goes seven and five. So win total set at six and a half. I am going to go over that win total. I think there's a good reason as to why it's set at six and a half. You play in the SEC West and you draw Georgia, as you mentioned, um, and you play, you get Alabama on the road <laughs> as well in conference. So right. it's tough. Um, I think this will be a very good football team. I think the defensive front will be nasty. So defensive line, obviously the Mike Leach offense is uh, something special. Will Rogers entering his second full year as the starter, third year in the program. So uh, I think he is a top five quarterback in the SEC. Uh, obviously the system makes him look really, really good. But yeah, I think this is a very good football team. I think they will have a top 25 offense mixed with the top 20 defense. And I think, I mean, again, this will be a top 20 team in college football. Uh, their schedules just sucks. It's so uh, seven and five is where I'm going for Mississippi state. But again, I think this team will be fun to watch week in and week out. I think they play a ton of close games. So this could swing a game either way. Um, but yeah, I, I am high on Mississippi state in context of the fact that they're winning total six and a half and I'm going seven and five. So uh, I do like the Bulldogs going into uh, 2022. Daniel, I think Vegas is where I am with Auburn and the win total set at six, six tells me Vegas is like, I don't know, six. <laughs> so I guess. Yeah. It's like, well, uh, all right, six, I guess. So, man, where where do we go with Auburn after the the coup attempt? Uh, the coup attempt this offseason with Brian Harson. Yeah, it's tough because all of a sudden Brian Harson now has a podcast, and he is just doing his thing. I'll say this: while I don't have a ton of faith, I think it's more likely that he ends up getting fired than keeping his job, it could be, we could look back at this and say, wow, that was all he needed to become an SEC coach. Cause now he knows what it's about. He knows it just means more. He knows 
about recruiting. He knows these people are insane. And he kind of talked with his chest out a little bit at SEC media days after seeing that. So I'm kind of wondering if it had a reverse effect of he's more confident now because he was able to overcome the coup and now he's back. And, you know, if he gets, if he has a good year this year, you know, maybe, maybe those uh, people trying to get, push him out will, you know, want to see this through. Um, thank goodness for them. They start with Mercer and San Jose state. Um, that's good to kind of, to get some, some wins under their belt. Um, quarterback's going to be a big issue for me because I really don't know what they're going to do. Uh, TJ Finley's back. Obviously, uh, Bo Nix is gone. He transferred to Oregon and then they bring in Zach Calzada. And I still don't really know what to think about Zach Calzada after last year, because there's some games where he looked like you know, future NFL quarterback, and then some games where he just could not calibrate his uh, his his arm, and he was inaccurate. And I don't think that's set up for any type of success with this receiving group, which I'm very low on. Uh, Shedrick Jackson's their lead receiver coming back, had one touchdown last year, 500 yards. Um, I, I agree with you about the defensive line. Derek Hall is. Marquise Brooks, just different dudes who are going to be there for them this year. Um, Offensive line, they weren't any good, but they've got four seniors on the offensive line. So sometimes that matters in college football. Um, It might not matter against the elite teams because they're going to have better freshmen, sophomores, and juniors than your seniors. But four seniors and a junior on the offensive line, that might play against – a lot of this more average defensive lines that they play. Um, Unfortunately for them, after those first two games that I mentioned, then they play Penn State. So they'll have to be ready for that. Um, Tank Bigsby, uh, I I expect big things from him, regardless of who the offensive line is. uh, But I do think that, especially against the teams that aren't, um, aren't big on the defensive line or don't have the greatest front seven, I think he could carve them up. Um, looking at the schedule, though, Penn State, I actually have them beating Penn State this year. Um, then they play Mizzou at home and then LSU at home. So LSU and Auburn could be undefeated when they play each other. And it could Big be game. a, you know, because of how the rating, you know, rankings and everything work. It could be two top 10 teams when they play just because of them both being undefeated. Um, that being said, I don't think Auburn is a top 10 team. Uh, it is tough to play Jordan Hare. I think LSU will win that game. And then they play at Georgia. I think that's going to be a loss. Um, at Ole Miss will be tough. Um, that was one of those that I circled for Ole Miss where it was on that line of, I think they're going to lose, you know, two of those four games. So I think that they're in the running to, to win that game. Um, but I mean, it just gets brutal from there. Arkansas at Mississippi state, Texas A&M, they play Western Kentucky right before they play at Alabama. Um, I have this team going seven and five. So I think that they actually have, you're believing I have a respectable season for them. It's based on them having, they're winning their first four games. So, um, which I think last year they won their first six or won their first five, something like that. So, um, yeah, they'll win their first four. The only one that will be surprising in that will be Penn State. But they play all of those at home. 
So that'll be important. Seven and five Auburn. So here's what I've done with Auburn. My opinion, I tried to take out what if the stuff in the offseason wouldn't have happened? What would my opinion of Auburn be? And you know what it is, Daniel? It's six and six because I don't think Brian Harson's a good football coach. I don't think, I think the staff downgraded when Derek Mason left. Like he wanted no part of that. And he up and went out of there to Oklahoma State. That is a step down job wise. He went to Oklahoma State because he wanted out of Auburn. It is impossible to ignore this stuff. Also, I look at where Gus Malzahn was recruiting for Auburn. He was recruiting top 10 classes at Auburn. Harson uh, came in, recruited a top 25 class. Um, two of those, so out to the top 20. And I know it's July, but or I guess it's August now, but their classes are currently ranked 70th for the 2023 cycle. He, he's not stocking the... So here's the thing. This is the year where if they're going to pop, it's got to be now because you still got Gus's top talent uh, on the roster. Once Harson's talent gets in here, it's going to go downhill for Auburn. Uh, this was a lose-lose situation for Auburn when the stuff happened in the offseason. If they keep Harson, it's a losing situation. If they fire him, it's a losing situation. Uh, the Auburn boosters need to get out of the way and let this program compete. Um, that being said, the schedule's brutal. It's an even year. You play at Georgia and at Alabama. You're the only team in the country that does that, and you do it every other year. So uh, on top of that, you're playing Penn State, who I think will be the second or third best team in the Big Ten this year, regardless, a top ten team nationally. So you're playing in week three. You're getting them early. I, there's nothing I look at Auburn and can just hang my head on and be like, no, this, this makes me confident that Auburn's going to be good. Tank Bigsby's the only thing that I just know is he's going to play his butt off. Um, but if he's running behind a weak offensive line, and I mean, I don't care if it's Finley or Zach Calzada, neither one of those guys. If you thought Knicks was average, wait till these guys play <laughs> quarterback <laughs> because Bo Nix was significantly better than both of these guys. Um, who was the best team they beat last year? At Arkansas was their best win last year. Um they also beat Akron, Alabama State, Georgia State in a come-from-behind victory that honestly probably should have lost that game. At LSU, a bad the LSU Ole Miss team. was 10-2 and two last year. In Ole Miss. So. Yeah. So that's probably the best team you beat last year. So, uh, there, again, there's just nothing I look at Auburn and be like, absolutely. It's a big question mark for me. And when every other team, I have more answers to questions in the division than I do Auburn. Yeah, I'm going to pick him to finish last in the division. I'm going to pick him to not go to a bowl game. I'm going under their win total. I'm going five and seven. So, yeah, I just think, you know, it's talking season, right? So, Brian Harsh gets media days, and he's like, it didn't work. And, you know, all this stuff, and everyone's like, oh, wow, Auburn. You know, the players had to meet the president. All this other stuff. I'm like, time out. What if none of this had happened? Brian Harsh was a bad football coach to begin with. So it didn't affect it. I downgraded them by a win, but I was already at six and six going into year two. Uh, I don't like the hire. I don't like the staff. The roster is going downhill. I'm getting ahead of this one. I'm selling my Auburn stock now. Uh, getting ahead of this one, Daniel. That's how I feel. So, hey, that wraps up our conference previews. So 
Daniel, I'm excited. We got we got some good episodes coming up here shortly. We're going to talk through best position groups and All-American teams in college football. We're going to talk through our conference champions, which we haven't talked about. We're going to have our preseason top 25. So our podcast rankings are XPR, which if you haven't seen those before, we really try to take a BCS approach. So looks at look at some power ratings of teams. Also look at most deserving. So kind of mix those two to get to get a really good picture of who, who are the best teams uh, in college football. We're going to talk through, hey, playoff predictions, New Year's Six predictions, national championship predictions. So a lot more stuff coming uh, nationally preview-wise. And then, Daniel, we are four Saturdays from week zero as of yesterday. We're recording this Sunday. We're watching so. way too much of, what is it, Northwestern and Nebraska? Dude, heck yeah, in Ireland. And then also Vandy at Hawaii at like 10 o'clock at night. Love it. I'll be watching every second of that yeah. game because it's football. That'll be the most it's, I watch Vanderbilt all year probably. We only get 15 Saturdays. So it's got to cherish them. It's fall. So it's coming. You can follow him on Twitter at Deep South Daniel. You can follow me on Twitter at Jacob Carnes with a K. And that will do it for this edition of The Extra Point. He's Daniel. I'm Jacob. Jacob.